Well, good evening, and uh, thank you for joining us for another follow-up on our Acts Bible study. Uh, today, we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 7. If you can remember from last week, uh, we were into the story of Stephen, and Stephen had just been brought before the leadership, if you will, and they were pronouncing down upon him uh, some different accusations. And so today, when we pick up a chapter 7, you're going to see some of the response to that and also some of the religious leaders carrying on with Stephen. Uh, longer chapter today. Uh, so with that, let's jump right into it. Uh, chapter 7, beginning at verse 1. It says, And the high priest said, uh, Are these things so? And Stephen said, Brothers and fathers, hear me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran, and said to him, Go out from your land and from your kindred, and go into the land that I will show you. Then he went out from the land of the Chaldeans and lived in Haran. And after his father died, God removed him from there into his land in which you are now living. Yet he gave him no inheritance in it, not even a foot's length, but promised to give it to him as a possession and to his offspring after him, though he had no child. And God spoke to this effect, that his offspring would be sojourners in a land belonging to others, so would enslave them and inflict them four hundred years. But I will judge the nation that they serve, said God, and after that, that they shall come out and worship me in this place. And he gave them the covenant of circumcision, and so Abraham became the father of Isaac, and circumcised him on the eighth day, and Isaac became the father of Jacob, and Jacob of the twelve patriarchs. So, Stephen is uh, seized, he's arrested because he was preaching Jesus Christ, crucified and risen, uh, and taken before the high priest, probably Annas. Hmm. Um, this is his defense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for speaking uh, the name of Jesus, for testifying witnessing of what Jesus had done. So he goes all the way back to Abraham, Genesis 12. And I mean, this is the beginning of Israel's history, basically. Uh, when you get specifically, uh, you go through Genesis, you know, when you get to chapter 12 there, is this zooms right into Abraham, his descendants. So uh, at first it seems kind of I don't know. Interesting. It seems odd, yeah, that yeah. he refers back to, to Abraham. But a big piece of it, I guess, is that he's referring to like that uh, that faith that Abraham was holding on to this entire time of uh, following God and taking steps forward, even though he didn't know where this promised land was or what was to become of it. He knew it was a promise that God had given to him, and that there would be uh, you know, a reward, if you will, on the other side of that. And so Stephen's kind of saying the same thing, like. I'm following Christ here, you know, uh, by faith, just as Abraham did. I am doing that exact same thing today. I think it's a kind of humorous when he said, uh, you know, God had promised Abraham this. He promised him the land, the promised land. It was his. His descendants were going to inherit it. Although he himself didn't even own one square foot yeah, of it. Yeah, not even one foot. He yeah, couldn't even put a foot, foot down yeah. in the land. Yeah. And he did. He, his whole life, he lived in tents. He was a sojourner through this land, but through everywhere God sent him. And you know, that's, that's a difficult part of faith. Yeah. Is uh, 
not always seeing, touching, feeling what God promises. Well, maybe you've heard that before too, like a, like the concept of like possession is nine tenths of the law. And for a lot of people during this time, you know, uh, they're not, not everybody's writing up these deeds. They're, they're claiming land to be their own and then being able to take some legal steps, if you will, to be able to own that. And so a lot of times land would be claimed by stepping foot there or being able to go there and actually be on that property, if you will. And so, yeah, he hasn't even been able to do this yet, right? He just hasn't faith it. Hopefully there is something there waiting for him. His whole life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, truly his life. That's a... Yeah. All right, you want to pick up at verse 9 there? Sure. So we're at Jacob, and now he's got the 12, 12 sons. Uh, and the patriarchs, yeah, verse 9, the patriarchs, jealous of Joseph, sold him into Egypt. But God was with him and rescued him out of all his afflictions and gave him favor and wisdom before Pharaoh, king of Egypt, who made him ruler over Egypt and over all his household. Now there came a famine throughout all Egypt and Canaan, and a great affliction, and our fathers could not find food. But when Jacob heard that there was grain in Egypt, he sent out our fathers on their first visit. And on their second visit, Joseph made himself known to his brothers, and Joseph's family became known to Pharaoh. And Joseph sent and summoned Jacob, his father, and all his kindred, 75 persons in all. And Jacob went down into Egypt, he died, he and our fathers, and they were carried back to Shechem and laid in the tomb that Abraham had bought for a sum of silver from the sons of Hamor in Shechem. So again, continuing through now the end of Genesis, uh, the story of God's people. Uh, Stephen is, you know, given the what the thumbnail sketch, the summary version of it mm -hmm. to. Israel's religious leaders who knew this story knew it, yeah. very well. And uh, I think, like you say, when it gets kind of toward the end here, he kind of puts the punchline on them. But um, yeah, it's like he just keeps going through these steps of like the lineage. And it's interesting that like you said, I mean, this is the stories that they would have known so well. It's like he's trying to bring about some other weird uh, evidence or another version of some story into this plan. He's just saying, hey guys, let's look at scripture that all of us know, and isn't this what we're basing our lives off? And so isn't this where we're going? Uh, interesting, you know, the individual that he mentions, Jacob, obviously somebody who really had I mean, just a ton of faith in God. Same thing with the story of Abraham, right? And so that you see that reoccurring theme over and over again, you know, I'm, I'm basing this off of faith that I have in the Lord, uh, just as Jacob had to do through so many trials that, that he faced. Yeah, and just another kind of evidence or reminder uh, how Abraham never actually tangibly saw the fulfillment of the promised land. It was his, you know, gift, his prophecy, his promise that God had given him personally, that he had to buy a tomb so yeah. he could bury his wife. Yeah, yeah. He didn't even own enough land to any land yeah. to, to bury his family uh, in, in this soon-to-be, I guess, promised land. And you'll see it just kind of continues on the same string. Uh, but as the time of the promise drew near, which God had granted to Abraham, the people increased and multiplied in Egypt until there arose over Egypt another king who did not know Joseph. 
He dealt shrewdly with our race and forced our fathers to expose their infants so that they would not be kept alive. At this time, Moses was born, and he was beautiful in God's sight. And he was brought up for three months in his father's house. And when he was exposed, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and brought him up as her own son. And Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was mighty in his words and deed. When he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brothers, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them being wrong, he defended the oppressed man and avenged him by striking down the Egyptian. He supposed that his brothers would understand that God was giving them salvation by his hand, but they did not understand. And on the following day, he appeared to them as they were quarreling and tried to reconcile them, saying, Men, you are brothers. Why do you wrong each other? But the man who was wronging his neighbor thrust him aside, saying, Who made you a ruler and judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? At this retort, Moses fled and became an exile in the land of Midian, where he became the father of two sons. Okay, so Moses was 40 years old. Yep. Before uh, he ran away from Egypt. He'd grown up in court, if you will. Yeah, the privileged life. Yeah, so for 40 years, that's, and again, you mentioned before, the kind of the lifespan. Yeah. Well, most people in these things. I mean, he's lived most of his life. Yeah. One would think, uh, in the Egyptian royalty, or does God have a twist for him? Uh, verse 30. Now, when 40 years, this is 40 more <laughs> years had passed, uh, he's living in Midian, an angel appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai in a flame of fire and a bush. When Moses saw it, he was amazed at the sight, and as he drew near to look, there came the voice of the Lord. I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, and of Isaac, and of Jacob. Moses trembled and did not dare to look. Then the Lord said to him, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their groaning. And I have come down to deliver them. And now come, I will send you to Egypt. So, I don't know. I just, a lot of times you read through Exodus or, or any Bible, you know, chapter of the Bible, and you think, oh, this happened, and this happened, this happened, this happened. Just think, 40 years yeah, yeah. in Egypt, and then 40, 40 years more. in exile, yeah. basically in the desert, watching, being a shepherd. Yeah, it's so easy just to turn a page and just think, oh, yeah, and this happened next. Yeah, you forget that time span that was there. Yeah. What happened? Okay, uh, verse 35. So here we go, right? Here's a little bit of this. Uh, this is where Stephen is finally applying, I would say, the history of Israel, mm -hmm. which they knew. But he's saying, hey, 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 remember how many times you turned from God, rejected God, ignored God, his word? His, his prophets. So anyway, uh, verse 35. This Moses, <laughs> he went through all this, whom they rejected, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge? This man God sent as both ruler and redeemer by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. This man led them out, performing wonders and signs in Egypt 
and at the Red Sea, and in the wilderness for how long? Forty more years. <laughs> this is the Moses who said to the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. Now Moses, this is again the prophecy that Moses gave of Jesus. Uh, this is the one who, had, who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him at Mount Sinai and with our fathers. He received living oracles to give to us, his Ten Commandments. Our fathers refused to obey him, but thrust him aside. It's a pretty violent word, right? Thrust him aside. And in their hearts, they turned to Egypt. Isn't that great? Because remember how much they, oh, we, they talked about Egypt. Yeah, we want to go back yeah. to Egypt. Yep. Oh, we ate so well, honeys and melons. And, um, and Stephen's just saying, they did go back to Egypt in their heart. Mm. They had checked out on this following God, the promised land deal. All right. Uh, verse 40, saying to Aaron, make for us gods who will go before us. As for this Moses who led us out from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And they made a calf in those days and offered a sacrifice to the idol and were rejoicing in the works of their hands. But God turned away and gave them over to worship the host of heaven, as it, as it is written in the book of the prophets. Did you not bring me slain beasts and sacrifices during the forty years in the wilderness, O house of Israel? You took up the tent of Molech and the star of your god Rephan, the images that you made to worship, and I will send you into exile beyond Babylon. Already given God's prophecy of his punishment for their idolatry. Interesting, too, you see a phrase in there that we've seen over and over again in the book of Acts just with a different name. You know, this Moses whom they rejected. You've seen so many times in here when they're talking about the story of Christ, you know, this Jesus whom you killed. And you see this comparison that is that is made there, even in the words, right? Talking about being this ruler and redeemer that is there. Not that Moses, obviously, is the, the savior, uh, ultimately, of all the people, but he is one that God chooses and uses to be able to portray and share his, his gospel truth. And this foreshadowing that is there, even in the story of Moses, of the Christ, the savior that is yet to come for the, the people of, you know, that are chosen by God, for all God's people. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that's a great... A reason why Stephen is telling the story again yeah. to these the, the high priest, the council, the ruling the religious leaders said, you know, don't you remember your own history and how Moses is, is almost perfect foreshadowing of Jesus. Mm -hmm. uh, Moses sent down into Egypt to rescue them from the bondages of slavery and oppression, uh, to bring them to the promised land, and they rejected him over and over again. Uh, and ultimately, God would send his own son to redeem, to buy back from slavery, slavery of sin and death, to bring us to the promised land. Mm -hmm. And here they were, they're, you know, his own people, the Israelites, rejecting and not recognizing him. All right, verse 44. Uh, it says, Our fathers had the tent of witness in the wilderness, just as he who spoke to Moses directed him to make according to the pattern that he had seen. 
Our fathers in turn brought it in with Joshua when they uh, disposed the nations that God drove out before our fathers. So it was until the days of David who found favor in sight of God and asked to find a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who built a house for him. Yet the Most High does not dwell in houses made by hands, as the prophet says, Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Did not my hand make all these things? You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did. So do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You who received the law and delivered by angels and did not keep it. Gets a little strong there at the, at the end. <laughs> yeah. After telling the history, he kind of goes, goes after them uh, there. Yeah, you stiff-necked people. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and think about how important you know, circumcision is as a sign of the covenant, yeah. and a sign of Israel. And uh, see, you're uncircumcised hearts and ears. Which is funny because we hear yeah. that uh, earlier on too, right? It talks about the people hear this great word here, and it says that they are cut to the heart, right? That they are listening, and then they that's where they respond. But he's saying, you know, you guys have heard this. You have been cut to the heart. I believe that, but you are refusing to be able to listen to this, to be able to know who truly this righteous one is that has come for you. And now you have, you know, betrayed him and murdered him, and you're sticking to your story. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, application. Yeah, uh, I, I think um, how how sensitive am I to the voice of God? How uh, stiff-necked uh, am I when I say, I'm going to do this, yeah. I'm, whatever it is, I'm going to get a truck, or I'm going to start a Sunday night service, <laughs> or I'm gonna, whatever, I just get a great idea, or I get something I really want, and I'm just going to push ahead at this, and yeah, make it happen. Whatever signs come along the way there, am I paying attention to the road signs? Well, all this gets Stephen in some big trouble here, obviously. Yeah, well, because of stiff-necked and uncircumcised hearts and ears, that's resisting the Holy Spirit. Um, he didn't use kid gloves there. No, no. He was pretty, I guess he pretty much had it. And I think this is actually what it's referring to in kind of the next section here. It's not just the, the history that they know, but... Uh, I don't know, these accusations that are being made, but the truth, I guess, it may be better stated, that's being announced to these guys. Uh, verse 54 says, Now when they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens open, and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice, and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. 
And when he had said this, he fell asleep. So the first martyr This person to die, uh, well, be executed, for uh, preaching the gospel, for telling the world who Jesus really is. Now, the word martyr uh, comes from the Latin word, really the word witness. Mm. When you think about what, I mean, what is the ultimate witness? Right, that you are willing to give your life yeah. for this message. Yeah, I mean, that's that's it, right? You're, all your cards are, are in, you don't have anything else. Imprisonment's horrible, torture's horrible, but there's always another day and another path. But with this, that's it. Yeah, you're right, that's the, the truly the ultimate sacrifice that is there. Uh, interesting is he looks up you know, to heaven, says, you know, it's filled with the Holy Spirit. Again, a theme throughout this book. Is able to see Christ sitting at the right hand of God. Interesting, kind of this expression of the Trinity uh, that, is, that is there. Uh, we don't have that word necessarily in Scripture, but we see it in formations such as this. But uh, I don't think this is just some random vision, you know, that he actually is seeing Christ seated next to God during this time. And it's almost that fulfillment of stepping into this promise that has been granted unto him. You know, that's this first thing where he, he doesn't know where this journey has necessarily taken him to. And in this moment, Stephen kind of gets to enter into this great blessing of the, the Lord just before his death. Almost this, uh, as weird as it is, this uh, piece of comfort before the storm that is there. Yeah, I think it's cool that uh, you know, his prayer, that's not much of a prayer really, he's just kind of telling what he sees and speaking to people and to God, but it's very similar to the prayer back to, you know, the first, you know, disciples after Pentecost and Peter and John are arrested and they come back together. They say, hey, they told us to stop preaching and uh, remember what they did not pray for? Oh, please keep us safe. Yeah. Oh, don't let them arrest us again. Uh, uh, they said, let us speak boldly. Yeah, and they rejoice. Let us speak even yep. more boldly. Yep. And, you know, here's Stephen getting drug out of the city. He knows he's about to get Dan getting some dirty balls, getting stoned. You know, not, Lord, save me! Oh, get me out of this! Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's, uh, receive my spirit. Yeah, and even in those words, right? A, a death and words that are very similar to our Savior, right? We talk about Christ in this last moment of his life. You know, it is finished. He gives up his spirit. You see here, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He says he cries out in a loud voice. Those are the words that we see in the gospel text that when Jesus says it is finished, there's an exclamation mark behind that because he is crying out in a loud voice. And then same thing here too. Lord, do not hold this sin against them. I mean, Jesus, Jesus says, says those exact same things on the Christ. They, they do not know what they do. And so think about the example that Stephen uh, follows here all the way up to his point of death to be able to uh, you know, mimic his Savior to be that little Christ. Not that he thinks he's taking uh, the position of Christ or that he is any way equal to him, but he follows through on what Scripture calls all of us to do, uh, being able to, again, mimic who our Savior is and the things that he has done in this world. Absolutely. And then just the very last word in the chapter, sleep. Mm. Uh, 
uh, Luke uh, writing this story for us, this account, uh, just tells us simply in three words, he fell asleep. Now this is a pretty unique concept in you know, year 35, whatever AD. Uh, to say that somebody who had just died is asleep. That's, people didn't talk especially about after dead being, people that especially way. Especially after being stoned, right? It isn't like, right. like old age and he just peacefully just kind of went, you know? This guy's yeah. just dragged out of the city and he's bludgeoned to death and then you know, he's just sleeping. But that's, that was the, the new Christian reality. That was our new perspective on the world. That death is not permanent, it's not final. It's just sleep. Just like you sleep at night, you wake up in the morning, they see someone, a, a, a Christian brother or sister who died, they're just sleeping, and Jesus comes back, their eyes are going to pop open. And what a powerful piece of imagery, right? You and I try to use those pieces of imagery like in a sermon, the concept of falling asleep. I, I know when I went to bed last night, totally relaxed, you know, wasn't worried, like, you know, what if I don't wake up tomorrow? What's going to happen? I had no cares in the world because uh, I had trust that I, I was going to wake up in the morning. I was just, it's just going to happen. You know, that's what was going to happen, barring any horrible thing. And this should be the same, I guess, for us as Christians, that in our lives, we should know that, you know, once we do fall asleep, once we do die, you just going to wake up again. You know, that's why Christ has come for us. And we should have a peace about that at the same time, too. Yeah. The only other interesting mm-hmm. note there is like the introduction again of uh, uh, Saul that's there, right? Yeah. That quick yeah. little note. It, it, it's so random, but so creative of the author just to, hey, I'm just going to put this little breadcrumb in there for later. Yeah. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. I mean, it's just this one liner that's in there, and then right on to what's happening. It's a detail that easily could have been left out, but is placed in there very specifically for showing uh, who Saul is, and again, his transformation of becoming Paul later then, too. Well, I don't have any more for today. So that's it. We did get one question yes. this week, and uh, the question uh, basically was, uh, is there any scripture, is there any Bible verse, verses uh, that state, prove, predict that all of the Jews will accept Christ before, before it's too late. Day. Yeah, yeah, before yeah. it's too late. Um, uh, no, I'm not aware of any verse like that. <laughs> yeah, it's and as a matter of fact, uh, Acts chapter 7, which we just studied, uh, I would use as a very strong warning uh, to I any, think about that. anybody who believes that, yeah, who, uh, yeah, who would uh, put their faith and anything other than Jesus Christ uh, is the forgiveness of sins being made right with God. Again, because there is just no other way to be made right with our Creator. Uh, he went through a lot. And it's a very elaborate plan, right? Which Stephen covered it, well, the highlights of it, of course, yeah. today. Uh, God's plan of salvation for all people. And anybody who wants to try to make their own way Whichever way it is, uh, other religions, no religion, what, it doesn't matter. Um, it's not going to end up in the same place. Uh, those who take the path that God had laid out for us. Yeah, yeah. No other way to put it. Yeah, the only verse I could have thought about uh, 
uh, I had mentioned to you this morning, you talked about, you know, at the, eventually, you know, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, but you recognize, like, that's, you know, Jesus coming. That will happen, but at that point, there's no do-over or reset button, like, oh, now I believe, Jesus, yeah, now we're, now that you've showed yourself, now my faith is, is there, because that's a, a faith that, it doesn't exist once it's there you don't even you don't even need faith at that at that point our faith at some point uh it it will completely dissipate because all that will remain as scripture tells us is that love you have that proof that is that is there on that day so no i don't think there's any scripture that even alludes to people being able to uh especially of a certain faith jewish people are asked of believing before that time yeah so there's there, there's no guarantee for uh any person who's over six feet four, or any person with a certain skin color, or any person with a certain ethnic background, or any person with a certain there's no yeah. uh, those aren't those don't have anything to do with our faith, our faith in Christ. So, no, nope. equal opportunity employer, Jesus. Yeah. Right. All right, you want to close for yeah. Thanks today? for joining us today. Great to have you. We'll close with uh, prayer. Uh, Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you so much for your elaborate, loving plan of salvation, uh, how you guided the history of the world uh, to the exact moment and, and place and situation uh, for your Savior, your Son, uh, to appear and accomplish that salvation by dying on the cross for our sins. As uh, people have always resisted and, and rejected you and uh, your will uh, so we too in our hearts uh, try to rebel against you uh, but we thank you for that forgiveness and thank you for uh, holy baptism where you give us new hearts and you pour your holy spirit into us so only father for jesus sake forgive our sins circumcise our hearts and our ears that we trust in you above all things in your name we pray amen yeah.